Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, a man I've been following uh, diligently on LinkedIn, Tyler Su- <laughs> Tyler Sumala. A, he is a serial learner obsessed with helping architects optimize all things business development, sales, marketing, and operations. Before transitioning into business development at Monograph, Tyler worked in large and small architecture offices and also ran his own architectural design studio for two and a half years. He holds a Bachelor's of Science in Architecture from the University of Michigan, Go Wolverines, and a Master's of Art from Princeton University. Tyler is currently creating a community of architects at tylertactics.com, where he sends one quick and powerful tactic to help architects attract high-quality clients every Sunday morning. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lance. I'm going to have to buy that intro from you because that was so energetic. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah, feel free. Uh, so before we get into what you do uh, right now, tell us how you got here. You know, I'm always interested in folks. Are you from a family of entrepreneurs? Are you the first? You know, what drives that kind of spirit? Um, I guess I'm not necessarily from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad was a solo, like a sole solopreneur. He, uh, I grew up in the car business, um, funny enough. So he was a car dealer, not one that owns the dealership, but like the middleman. I don't know if people know this, but like there's people that go to the auctions and represent dealerships and, and purchase cars um, on behalf of those dealerships. So that was my dad. He was the middleman. He had, you know, 10 or 20 fir- firms, I almost said firms, um, 10 or 20 dealerships that he worked for and he purchased vehicles for them. Um, and so grew up with him doing that. That was his own business. And then my brother and I, um, as we got old enough, we started going to the auctions with him and that was a really fun experience. So I think like early on, maybe recognizing that you you can be in control of your own, um, of your own like income and things like that, that was important. So I, I grew up around that, um, but I wouldn't necessarily say it was like incredible business acumen surrounding me or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the freedom part is obvious. What, what yeah. led you to architecture then? I mean, from what your dad does compared to architecture, vastly different things, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Big difference. I think my dad's pretty artistic. So you know, like he, he grew up, um, he, when I grew up, he was always drawing. Um, and so like, even when I was growing up, my parents had like a little, like they got me a drafting table, which is kind of hilarious. Um, I thought it was just a drawing table at the time. Uh, and so grew up doing a lot of drawing. That was the initial interest in architecture, I think. And just seeing, seeing images, this thought of like being able to design your own home and things like that. Like that was the initial interest. Um, when I started college, I actually started on the pre-med path. I studied neuroscience for three years and I didn't actually switch into the architecture program at Michigan until my senior year. Um, so I was actually at Michigan for six years because of that decision. Um, so what, what the, the true thing that pulled me in was I took, I just decided to take one elect. I took one elective. It was a freehand drawing class, um, at the architecture school. And I was in that class for maybe 10 minutes before I realized this is amazing. I think I need to, I think I need to switch my career. Um, wow. so that was the catalyst for that. Yeah. Wow. That is an interesting turn, um, for sure. I, I know several folks have done the same thing as you, not not in the sense from pre-med or, you know, over, yeah. over to architecture, but like engineer to, to architecture or 
just kind of going in late. And those folks, once they seem like it clicks, they're just like the passion is beyond maybe the other people who thought they were going to be there at the beginning. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, What led you away from running your own practice then, which you did, it looks like for two and a half years over to monograph monograph, and then uh, over to tylertactics.com. Like how, how'd that evolution happen? Yeah. So I think maybe what's more important with that is what happened before I started my own like little studio was just, you know, working in firms, small and large, never really landing somewhere that I was excited about being at long-term. Like the cultures didn't excite me. I wasn't excited about my income. Um, I was looking at the future being like, wow, I can, I mean, I can work here for 10 years, average 60 hours a week and, and maybe at that point, make enough money to like fully support my family. Um, or I can try to do something on my own. Um, and probably learn much harder, but hopefully much faster um, in order to do that. So that was that was kind of the original catalyst to go ahead and, and switch into my own studio. Um, and the reason that I'm not still doing that was really, I, I mean, it was kind of one of those things where I did it and I realized I don't, I'm not finding as much fulfillment in this as I would like. Um, there's parts, I mean, it helped me realize the parts of running a, a practice that I enjoyed, uh, but it also equally helped bring to light the things that I don't enjoy very much. And to be honest with you, I hate doing construction documents. I love everything that precedes it. Um, and I hate doing construction documents. And that's really hard when you're a one person thing. And I was trying to figure out, should I grow? Should I bring someone on? Um, but I would, at that same point, I was kind of exploring other options and realizing that there maybe are other opportunities that would help me get to where I want to be faster and still like fulfill a lot of the interests that I have. Got it. And so that's what that's what brought you over to Monograph. What were you doing at Monograph? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still at Monograph. Yeah, okay. I'm still at Monograph. I'm on the business development and sales team there um, as an account executive currently. Um, and really, like, I mean, I basically restarted my career. Like when I when I switched out of running my own studio, um, I initially got an, another job um, at a at a data analytics company as a salesperson initially. And then after Monograph opened, as I saw them growing their team. I reached out to them, um, and then that was a pretty easy transition just due to my background um, over to the over to the Monograph side. So there, it's been incredible. I mean, I've never I've never been at a company that I actually like. I'm so excited about. I feel you know it. I, I love the energy that it brings and the fact I've had conversations with Robert, who's our CEO, just about the fact that um, everything that that company does is so the opposite of the culture of architecture in, in the best way possible. Um, and it's because we've all experienced those pains in different ways. And so I just love I just love what we're building over there. Yeah, we're big fans of Monograph ourselves. Um, I've had Robert on the show, I think, two or three years ago or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So we run in those kind of same circles. Um, yeah, I, I have nothing but good stuff to say. Everybody should check you guys out over there. Um, and then what led to tylertactics.com? And is that, I mean, is, is it its own LLC? How, how does that all work? And what's the goal with it? I mean, yeah, besides, I just, besides I just, making money and giving good advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course it's growing a business, right? Um, yeah. So I just started it this past month and it's actually, it is Tyler Tactics is, isn't its own LLC, but Tyler Sumo LLC is what I, is what I built Tyler Tactics. It's just where it's going to be housed at. Um, but uh, I started it because at the beginning of this year, I started posting on LinkedIn every weekday. That's how that's how this initially started. Um, and it's one of those things where I was just like, okay, I want to do this. 
I took a course on, I'm, I don't know if anyone has seen or heard of Justin Welsh. He's incredible. He has a great, he has a great course called like LinkedIn operating system um, that I highly recommend for people that are looking to kind of become more active on LinkedIn in any way, shape or form. So I took that course. I learned how to generate content a little bit better. I learned how to write on LinkedIn better and how to do some copywriting. And then I kind of just like took off with it. And I decided to start posting once every weekday is how it started. Um, now at this point, I'm actually posting twice every single day, seven days a week, um, because I've just gotten better at generating content and understanding what um, what um, people like want to learn and, and improve upon. Um, but it was through that, through posting on LinkedIn every day, generating a ton of conversations. I mean, starting, I started with, I think around like 600 connections at the beginning of this year, and I'm now coming up on 7,500 um, followers on, on LinkedIn. So it's been really exciting to see that growth, but just understanding, I was just being vocal about like the challenges that I experienced in architecture and the challenges that I see now on a daily basis in talking to architects. I've spoken to more than 1000 architects in the past year. Uh, so the challenges that I see them facing, being vocal about that, um, helping people and other architects and other people in the profession realize that they're not alone in those challenges, I think has been just a huge, um, has been a huge benefit, to, hopefully to everyone, hopefully to all the followers. I know it's been surprising to me to see that I am definitely, what's well, definitely not alone in these challenges. Um, and I hope that everyone else kind of feels the same way about that. The engagement is incredible. I mean, just watching how it works yeah. and the format and everything, it's it's amazing. And and that's how I found you um, and why you're on the show. And, and maybe that's where I kind of like would like to lead next is I love your posts. I was wondering if we could just unpack a few of them. Um, yeah, let's do it. Okay, cool. So I'm going to uh, have a couple uh, I'll just read to everybody and they can go to uh, – Find Tyler on LinkedIn. His last name is, so uh, first name is obvious. Uh, last name is uh, S-U-O-M-A-L-A. If you're interested in checking more of these out, they're wonderful. They're thought provoking and all of that. So here we go. Uh, first one is architects are very devoted, but badly supported, overworked, but underappreciated, highly educated, but poorly compensated. So my, my question is on, on, for each of those lines is, how, 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 what in your opinion is, how are they badly supported? Um, that'd be the first one. Are they, I think they're badly supported in a few ways. One, it's, it's rare to find, I think, firms and workplaces that offer resources for improving, like beyond maybe just getting their, I mean, the, the, the industry standard I would say is that firms will probably pay for you to get your licensure, um, at like the minimum, um, but in terms of other other ways of improving, I mean, be providing resources to get better at BIM or providing resources to get better at business development, marketing, um, providing ways and avenues and paths for people to improve, not just like, not just from doing their work on a daily basis, but for people that maybe want to learn faster and improve faster and grow faster. Uh, very, very limited resources on that front. Yeah, typically. I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What uh, overworked but underappreciated? Do you think that's like from society, or do you think also it is an internal firm culture thing? Both. Okay. Both. I think it's a little bit of both. I think I think we're less appreciated probably by society at this point, um, but I do think that there's also a, a lack of appreciation that comes from like leadership down. Typically, it's not it's not uncommon. I think, but I I don't know if it's necessarily intentional. <laughs> I think it, you know, I think it, I, there's also a little bit of embedded culture that's going on here that's that's really hard to break that I think people are trying to break that's obviously become a little bit more vocal like recently and that I that I certainly try to bring to light. But 
Um, you know, I think underappreciated from society is a little bit of our own fault. We haven't been great about communicating our own value um, about how important we really are and how important, you know, we are to the project and to the built environment, I, in my opinion. Um, and then in terms of what happens inside the firm, I think that's just, you know, just a little bit of appreciation goes a long ways with, with your employees. I mean, you know, you're, you're a firm leader. I mean, you just tell, you just like once a week, you try to touch someone and say, Hey, appreciate, appreciate what you did here on this project. Like that makes such a big difference. <laughs> it makes such a big difference to, to people and, and to have an open door and to, give them the space to maybe be frustrated and give them the space to grow at the same time. It just makes a huge difference. So yeah. I think we need more of that in the industry for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a big one, obviously. And it, architects constantly, you know, complain that they are the, the contractors are making all this money, 20%. I saw yeah. you had another post about that. Um, highly educated, but poorly compensated. What, what is the, like, why do you think they, we consistently undersell ourselves? You know, what, what is the, like, what, what is leading to that? It's I, I one thousand percent think it's just a lack of of business acumen, a lack of understanding in in business, because I've posted about this enough to know that there's two there's two reasons now that that I hear on a consistent basis. One, oh I, yeah, I can't I can't raise my fees because there's always someone that's going to undercut me. Mm -hmm. That's that's the other one, and the other one is like I'm afraid of raising my fees because I don't want to lose work. Um, now there's obviously a payoff, like when you do raise your fees, if you, if you do it in the right way, and if you're still able to communicate your value in the right way, then you're actually going to get paid more to work mm -hmm. less. Like that's, that's the goal with that. And then the first one, like being afraid, yeah, there's always going to be someone that's going to undercut your fee and you can race to the bottom if you want, but that's that right there to me is like the huge down. That's the biggest pitfall is that everyone feels as though they have to race to the bottom rather than being the one person that's standing at the top. I think the the question isn't what is everyone else going to charge so that I can make a competitive fee. It's what is everyone else not doing so that I can separate myself and make sure that I'm, you know, doing exactly what this client needs for this project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one I really liked. Um, if you're leading a firm with low pay, long hours, bad culture, no diversity, poor benefits, inferior training resources. Limited growth opportunities, you have two options. Number one, change plus improve. Number two, continue losing talent. The landscape is changing. Architects are chasing supportive environments. The reason I picked this one out is I, I wanted yeah. you to unpack diversity for us. What is, you know, in what context are you talking about diversity? I think I'm just talking about like you have diversity of thought, you have diversity of backgrounds um, at a firm. I mean, I think. Something that surprised me, I don't want to get specific about like where, about where these things were happening, but like when I was in school, I mean, I went to the University of Michigan, I went to Princeton, both of those, in my opinion, I mean, at least as I recall them, were quite diverse in, in their student population, both in like gender um, and ethnicity, like just a ton of diversity and backgrounds, like a lot. Um, I felt like I was experiencing a lot of diversity at both of those universities. And then the second that I for both times, you know, that I stepped away, I went and worked at a practice. Um, it, it was not the same. And I was, I was very confused by that. Like I went into, I remember going into meetings like after grad school and being like, it was like one of 15 men in the room. Um, and there were like, it was, there was maybe 16 people in the meeting and 15 of them were men. And there was one, there was like one female. And I was like, this is like wild. How is, how is this possibly happening? Um, there's, like, I, I just don't see how it's, you know, it's 2018. I don't see how this is happening. 
Yeah. So I think it's one of those things. I mean, I grew up in a, it's a, not a very, not a very diverse area. So I didn't really experience diversity of anything until I got to college. And that's where for me, like I found the value in it. And so I've just, I just think there's a lot of strength in having diversity of thought, background, um, things like that at wherever you're at. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, next one is uh, trans trans transformation statements are magnets for high quality clients. Yesterday, my subscribers learned how to build one in four minutes, want to attract high quality clients and quick with quick and easy tactics. Join the party at tylertactics.com. Uh, what are transformational statements? Unpack that. Yeah, you want it? All right, we'll give you we'll give you kind of the free breakdown. All right, so let's do one for F9. Actually, let me pull it up on, on my side too. So, uh -oh. I don't, so I don't miss it. Um, all right, so the first one is going to be like, who is your ideal client? If you were to group it, like as a, like I, I've seen your website. It seems like you mostly do, you do mostly residential. Maybe I would- yeah, uh, about 50%. Well, I, I just tell people this. I like maybe I should have a spreadsheet <laughs> at some point. I would say 50% of our work is uh, single family, 25% multifamily, and 25% uh, the rest is uh, institutional, commercial, light industrial, okay. that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So let's take let's take the single family as an example, just for, for this and say, what is the what is the normal state of the single family? Um, like client that's coming to you? Are they coming to you because they, they're they growing and they want a bigger home? Are they coming to you? Because, like, what's what's the primary challenge they're coming to you for? Uh, yeah, I would say what they're doing is they're either, they're, they're, they're either, let's just do if it's new construction. If it's new construction, it could be a multitude of things. Um, but if I had to boil it down, I would say it is it is folks that are probably that are that are ready to take that next leap. They're seasoned uh, buyers, um, folks that have owned previous homes. Maybe this is their second or third time around. Maybe they've never worked with an architect, and that's okay. But they yeah. certainly have lived in an, and owned enough homes to know what they hate. Okay. And, yeah. And that's usually one of my yeah. favorite questions to ask. Them yeah. Is, and it kind of throws them off. But I'm like, it's such a good icebreaker. I'm like, just tell me what you hate. Like I, yeah. I want to hear it. I want to hear exactly what what you hate, so I know how to transform your, you know, what your needs are based on that sort of what you never want to experience again in a piece of residential architecture. Yeah. How we facilitate that for you? Yeah. They're usually high earners. They're usually a combined where we operate, two hundred k plus sort of family. Okay. Um, so you no, know, so they're in that one percent, not the point one, but the one percent for sure in terms of just America. Um, and, and they're usually educated. They're usually highly educated. They usually at least both have bachelors, maybe masters. And they're usually, a lot of them are in the software. We're kind of like okay. in a Silicon Valley ish area in Boulder Valley. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think you'd have the option then like, so what I say is like, grab your ICP. So your ICP in this case is like a family, um, and add an adjective before it. So I think based on what you just told me, I'd say you could either say like growing families, or you could say high earning families, like one of those two. Um, so is, is one of those sound like more attractive to you? Uh, the high earning family. Okay, so let's say high earning family. All right, so then the second one is endpoint. What 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 are they coming to you for? Um, what do they? What is the outcome that they're hoping to get when they come to you? They're they're hoping to get what they don't know they want or, or can <laughs> visualize. They yeah. know what they want, but they can't visualize it. And so they come to us because they want us to solve that problem. They also know, especially in Boulder County, that they want the government off their back. And they expect us to be the mitigator between them. And, and that's one of the things we offer is we say, 
look, we are, we are those, we are those people. We dive into the zoning codes, we dive into the building codes, and we want to make this a fun and enjoyable process for you guys. So that once you guys are actually in the house, after you go through this very grueling 2000 decision plus process yes. that you have a smile on your face yeah. and you can enjoy your house and there's no sour sort of sticky negativity that that is lingering. Yeah. And in terms of that product, that product is a home and it seems like you have maybe even a specific aesthetic that people might come to you for. Like, what would you like, what is that? out? Like not, not the process. So what you were just explaining that was helpful, but that was like more of the process. I'm curious, like that outcome, that final thing that they're getting at the very end, what are they walking away with or walking into? I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Style wise, they want modern mm -hmm. because they've seen East watch house. It, yeah. <laughs> over and over again, they've seen East Watch House, and that has been our spearhead since we made the cover of Builder Magazine in 2021. Yeah, so they want a modern, a modern architectural home, a modern, modern home, a modern, modern architectural home, modern, modern architectural home, mm -hmm. modern, modern architectural home. Okay, so you have hiring families that want a modern architectural home, and then you kind of talked about this, I think, in the last one. But last, the last thing I say is differentiation. So, what is something that your firm does extremely well that your clients are typically excited about that like the people, you know, that differentiate you from your competition? Uh, we model it like it's built and therefore yeah. our drawings and our models don't lie. And uh, we back that up with the fact that we are also builders and they, they have, when they come to our office and we can walk them through literally the office that we built, designed, developed, they feel confident in mm -hmm. who they're hiring and they're, they, it sort of washes away all of this worry. Cause that's the biggest problem is folks come and they go, first of all, we don't know what an architect does. So we explain yeah. that. And then the second thing they, they worry about is um, that they're like, how do I know I'm hiring the right architect? Somebody that's going, yep. to, going to really alleviate all of this stress. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't stress enough to these potential clients. Like you will make 2000 plus decisions on this house. It is a yep. daunting task. We're here to help you navigate through that. Yeah. So it almost sounds like, I mean, it's it's like knowledge, but you, you focus on like a stress-free experience, as stress as stressless as it can get, right? I mean, it's that's yeah. impossible to be stress-free, but mm -hmm. let's say stress-free for the sake of marketing. So you help high-earning families that want a um, modern architectural home, and you differentiate that through, let's say, um, uh, stressless experience. So yeah. those are like your X, Y, and Z. And so you frame those together. You can do it like a few different right, ways, right? So it'd be, we help um, X designer create Y with or without Z. So it could be, we help high, high earning families um, create uh, modern architectural homes without stress. That's like a really, that tells your, someone comes to your website, you have that at, on, at, on your header right there. That tells that family exactly what they're looking for. And I can guarantee you that you're the only one, you're the only one in your area that's saying that exact thing, that's speaking specifically to that client. And that's why like, the, I call it a transformation statement because you're speaking directly to the people that you want and telling them exactly what they're going to get um, and the way that they're going to get it and why it's different. And that's so powerful because you're going to be the only one saying that and you can consistently lean on that throughout throughout the process of them deciding what architect they want to lean on. This is what we do. Like, that's what you said. Like, this is literally what we do. You are a high earning family. You do want a modern architectural home and you don't want the stress. And we're the only ones that do that. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing that with me. I didn't expect yeah. that at all. 
That was very fun. If you, if you guys, if you, everybody who's listening, if you heard that, I mean, you got to go check out Tyler's website. Um, he'll help you out in those kind of ways. That was, that was transformational. Uh, <laughs> the next one is uh, your best designs will happen when you stop pitching ideas and start asking questions. Yes. Yes. This one, this one, I think a lot of this has come about, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know sales. I should say, I didn't know sales before I came into this business development and sales role at Monograph. Um, I was, you know, good at, I think a lot of people think to say, I was good at talking to people. I'm good at having conversation. Um, when I reflect back now on my time of running my own like little studio, uh, I was terrible. <laughs> I was terrible at this. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have a clear process in place. Um, I think the biggest mistake that we tip that we tend to make is assuming like that we have to tell the clients exactly what they want um, rather than find out what it is that they want. And the biggest, I think the the best thing that you can do early on, or if you just you just really don't feel like you, Maybe you don't even feel like you're good at pitching ideas. You don't feel like you're good at sales. Good. You don't have to do it. Just ask a lot of questions. Just actually understand like what's going on. Don't even pitch what your firm does. Just ask, just continue to ask more and more questions and understand exactly what that client wants and exactly what pains they're facing, exactly why they're, why they're doing it. Like, why are they doing it now? Um, what's the issue with their current state? Where do they want to be? And then it's really just about understanding, like I wouldn't even say in that initial meeting, it's later on, you know, understanding how you can best position yourself or your firm um, in that gap between where they are and where they want to be. Why do you think so many architects miss that? Do you think that's a leftover or influence from school? I mean, I, the first word that comes to my mind is like, we have these professional practice courses and yeah. they just like, it's a two credit course usually in grad school. And like, how is that? I mean, I hear this over and over and over again from folks like you, everybody in the industry, a lot of people in the industry, especially podcasters who are talking about a lot of architectural podcasters, like we were not taught business and we're not taught sales, you know, so yep. where is that non-listening? The I mean, do you think, do you think this is the role that you folks like you and I are supposed to fill and that we shouldn't be pushing back on the universities to get their butts in gear and finally push that way? I think, uh, I think the universities have, have definitely have some blame. Absolutely. Like it's very clear to anyone that's recently, I, I mean, anyone that's been out of school in the last 10 years, well, you could even say 30 years because I don't think it's changed much mm -hmm. um, that there's not enough education about, about the business of architecture. That's 1000% true, no matter what. Now there's also a balance like university is university. It's not, this isn't, this isn't only an issue for architecture. I think it's a bigger issue for architecture, uh, but I don't think it's only an issue for architecture, right? So I think, you know, I do, I personally believe, you know, universities should have room for different types of thought. It shouldn't all be about like business and things like that. But that being said, um, typically for an architect all the way through from beginning to end, only one to 3% of their education is gonna be focused on business. And that's that one, you might be taking one to two professional practice courses. And so if you take that all the way through from the amount of credits that you need from a bachelor's to a master's or whatever you're, um, or a bachelor of architecture, mm -hmm. that's anywhere from one to 3%. That's not enough. That is absolutely not enough. So yeah, that's, I think that's on, the, that part's on the university side. The other part is like, okay, you're out of school. I think it's time to stop complaining about what school didn't do for you and start taking action to learn what you need to in order to run a successful business. 
Um, there's also there's a little bit of onus like on us as individuals as well. And I didn't I mean, I didn't do this myself. I'm like a curious person. So I started doing it a little bit, but not you also like it's hard to know where to go, what to do. I mean, it's one of the reasons I started Tyler Tactics, too, is like it's just not there's there's not that it's hard to find those resources. It's hard to find the people that you want to trust and, and learn from um, as well. And we're always falling back on this. I'll call it an excuse for now. It's a, it's got some truth to it, but we're always falling back on this excuse that architects do things differently, right? Oh, well, that's yeah, that's working, but that's for a lawyer, so that's not really going to work for me. Um, I mean, there's a little bit that comes down to you know, business business is business. Um, most principles are relatively universal, um, so we have a lot to learn from other industries. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one, and then I've got some just final questions for you because we're just yeah. about on the half hour here. No problem. Um, so speaking of the professors, right? You you wrote mm -hmm. the other about a week ago. I often think about how my studio professor once told me, "quote You look too well rested." End quote. Perfect example of everything that's wrong with archiculture. Yeah. Uh, so I've that resonated <laughs> with me because I've literally heard that. And yeah. so, uh, why do you think? Like, is it a do you think that bad? What I always equated it to is like is that uh, well, two things. One is, I try to I'm trying to have some empathy with these older professors who I love, mm -hmm. and one mm -hmm. of them one of them also told me the same one. He told me, uh, "You can sleep when you're dead," and I think you even reacted to that comment. When I think I, I did, yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. else, somebody else, like oh, I heard that too. Is I try to have some empathy of thinking about okay when they were coming up in school, and then even when they were practicing. You know, some of these folks just barely even touch 2D AutoCAD. Yeah. So their workload was bigger. Now we have BIM in all different forms, ARCHICAD, Revit, whatever. And you can draft with the ability. You can, the, the amount of things you can produce as one person is like almost fourfold is the way I've always <laughs> thought about it. Yeah, that's I, probably true. You know, and it's something like that. So all yeah. of a sudden, now you have this dynamic going of well if i'm still charging if you're a good architect a good business person you're charging yeah. let's say 10 percent um just as a baseline somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of a project like wow now my bottom line actually increased and i and i have the ability to produce more so maybe there's the the and, and now even like when i'm looking at these the students we have come in and work or even folks in practice at our firm working with things like Enscape to produce these photorealistic renderings within Love four hours, right? Yeah. Versus when Alex and I were in school, we were thought we were so cool because we had the first uh, quad cores. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what I mean? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then we ganged them up and we had like these little rendering farms and it was, and, but still the rendering the farms. Oh yeah, yeah. The renderings were still like three or four days away. I mean, you pushed it, the push the button, you couldn't touch the computer. You prayed to God that it didn't, that the power stayed on. I mean, it was this huge trial, but now the technology is really up the game in terms of, I'm not sure that you need to be spending all of these waking hours. So there's that portion mm. of it, of like the technology. Sure. Right? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the other one is sort of this badge of honor of like, yeah. I went through hell and now I think you also have, to you have need to go through hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thought, thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think there's a ton of truth to that, whether, I mean, I don't think that that's a good enough reason to continue doing it. Um, I think that, that would be what I would say to it. What we've learned, I mean, you learn things as, as you, as you grow into it. And right now, what the world is learning is that mental health matters 
and it makes a huge difference. And so, you know, sleep makes a big difference. Um, caring for people makes a big, you know, it's just, these things just have a, have a positive impact, uh, more of a positive impact than taking that employee, you know, I would argue you're going to get, you're going to get more long-term out of your employee from, you know, letting them go home and sleep and telling them they did a great job today, rather than asking them to stay an extra few hours tonight to get that work done and paying them overtime to do it. Like I just, I think in the long run, these things, these things pay off. You're going to have a healthier relationship with them and they're going to have a really healthier relationship with their work. And, um, you know, so I think you're right. Yeah. That's, that's the state that it's coming from. There's a badge of honor that's associated with it. Um, it's going to take a, I think it's going to take a very long time. I, I mean, I don't know who else is talking about. I mean, I know that people have been talking about these things in general, but um, it's going to take a long time for these things to change. Um, but we have to recognize that they're there first and then, you know, really start vocalizing them. Yeah. I hear a lot of millennials saying, and, and then now Gen Z speaking up about it and pushing back mm -hmm. on it. And I think it's, I think it's, I, I, I'm very white pilled about the whole situation and that I think we will hopefully transform out of it with technology. And then you also hear, does all these influences on influencers on social media, like uh, Jocko, for instance, you know, one of his things yeah. is, is like, he would post every morning on Twitter, at like 4 34 AM, like, get up, you know, getting up before everybody else. Discipline yeah. equals freedom. So, you know, Discipline for all this huge. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing is like, if we're, if for any students that are listening to this episode, I only pulled one all nighter my whole career and graduated at the top of the class. You got to be disciplined. It's same about going exact to situation. Really? Same exact, same exact. You're the only person I've ever met. That's second person, second person I've met that said that, but yeah, same, same situation also graduated the top of the class. Yeah. And that's what yeah. it comes down to, right? Discipline. Yeah. Like it does. Not... It's 1000%. It's discipline. Yeah. Time management. Yeah. Yeah. There. And you, and obviously the fruit that was born, that was that, that we each bared from that discipline was like, oh, you graduate, you had like a clear mind. So it's kind of pointing back to yeah. what you just said about like, what about an employee going home and just resting and getting up the next day and working twice as efficiently as said a half? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the the thing is, I mean, with school, school is a perfect example of that because so I would typically go home if we're talking grad school, like I'd go, I'd at least go home and have dinner with my wife. Um, and then I might come back to school and work a little bit. So I'd go home anywhere from like eight to 11, depending on the night or the project. But then I'd be back up at studio at like 9am. And then what would happen? <laughs> no one else would trickle in until like noon or one. Um, so I get like a bunch of, I'd get a bunch of very productive work done without anyone else around me before anyone else even came into the studio. Um, so it's like those, and, and they're coming in just depleted of any yeah. energy. I'm coming in like off of a full night's sleep. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's the payoff thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Uh, I wasn't married at, but I did have, I did have a, a fiance with child and same thing. I would go home. Yeah. And so there was a grounding effort there. Yeah, it makes that makes a huge difference. What I always say, like that was, uh, my wife and I got married when we were both still in undergrad, actually, and that was a huge, huge benefit for me. That's what that's what grounded me and gave me the the discipline that I needed to make sure that I was spending time outside of school. So you need you need something to look forward to, both whether it's work or school. You need to make plans with friends outside of architecture, ideally. I mean, you should have friends inside of architecture, but it's gonna be harder to get the whole studio away um, at 11 o'clock at night than it would be to say, hey, I'm going out you know, with my friends tonight at nine o'clock, I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, you gotta give yourself a deadline. 100%.
Tyler, two last questions. Uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started Tyler Tactics, what is one piece of advice you'd give your former self? I would say um, look to learn from other industries as much as possible. Beautiful. We can't be, yeah, we can't be so autonomous as a discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should check out Tyler's feed because he has a, that lawyer clip. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Learning from yeah. the other industries for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, this has been fantastic. I got to have you back on maybe in about a year. I, I feel like yeah, I let's just do it. keep talking to you for a long time. Uh, where can people find and follow you if they want to learn more? Yeah, let's, I mean, go to tylertactics.com. Again, I just launched that this month. I'm sending one quick and powerful tip. It's going to be less than a five-minute read every Sunday morning. Um, you can read it whatever morning you want to um, just to help you improve improve your business and, and get better clients. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your time, Tyler. Thanks, Lance.